Chapter 20 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. A Ghostly Phenomenon. There was a moment of silence. Then the outdoor girls heard the sound of someone crashing heavily through the undergrowth. "'Where are you?' called a man's voice that was familiar to them. "'Jasper Hill!' They could have cried with thankfulness. The postal clerk appeared the next moment, a catch of fish slung over his shoulder, surprise and curiosity in his eyes at sight of the girls. "'Well, how did you get here?' "'If you will tell us how to get out, it will be more to the point.' Grace spoke dolefully, and Jasper Hill suddenly understood their plight. "'Lost, eh?' he queried. "'Well, now that's funny.' "'Funny?' Irene caught him up indignantly. "'I guess you wouldn't think it was funny if you'd been in our shoes.' "'It's funny,' repeated Jasper Hill, fixing her with a whimsical regard. "'Because, as it happens, you're within a stone's throw of the road.' "'Does sound rather ridiculous now you tell us about it.' sighed Molly. But do be a good boy, Jasper, and show us out. They came to the road almost immediately. As the girls thanked Jasper Hill and turned away, the latter spoke hesitantly. It's almost dark. You going to the old stone house? Of course. Where else? From the girls. You certainly don't still believe in that old ghost story, do you? asked Grace tauntingly. Jasper seemed to hesitate again, then spoke hastily. The expression on his usually merry face was solemn in the extreme. "'Have you ever looked in the window near the front door?' he asked, his voice instinctively lowered in key. The girls answered in the negative, shivering and anxious to be on their way. It was getting dark. "'Then,' said Jasper Hill, his tone still solemn and awesome, I advise you to have a peek for yourself before you condemn everybody hereabouts as fools. Just take a look. I double dare you. Molly alone rose to the challenge. Nobody ever double dared us and got away with it, she assured him. We will look in that foolish old window at the foolish old chair any time you say. Then, said Jasper Hill, turning away and grinning wickedly over his shoulder at them, I dare you to do it now with the darkness coming on. The girls watched him till he disappeared down the road, then turned slowly toward the house. At the moment, in spite of the fact that he had helped them out of an embarrassing predicament, the girls found it in their hearts to wish Jasper Hill at the bottom of the sea. Are you really going to do it? asked Amy as they reached the house. Do it? cried Molly with forced bravado. Of course I'm going to do it. You don't suppose I intend to let a country bumpkin like Jasper Hill stump me, do you? The other girls said nothing, but followed Molly along the path that led to the front porch, the path that they trod now for the first time since their arrival at Foaming Falls. If you look in that window, said Irene with a nervous giggle, we all will, Molly. You don't need to, said the latter shortly. I was the one to accept the dare. In spite of this, the other girls kept close to Molly as she ascended the porch steps. Whatever horror lay hidden in that closed front room, 
Whether they would see something or nothing, the loyalty of the girls forbade that they permit Molly to bear the revelation alone. Yet it was so near to dusk and the window so grimed inside and out with cobwebs and dirt that the only way Molly could see within the room at all was to peer closely, her nose almost touching the glass, hands serving as blinders to her eyes to shut out the confusing outdoor light. She leaned close to the window, adjusting her sight to the dimness of the room, while the other girls crowded close, trying vainly to see into the room over her shoulder. Suddenly, Molly gave a low, shuddering cry and turned from the window, pushing wildly past her comrades. Oh, horrible, horrible, they heard her mutter as she fled. Frightened as they were, curiosity forced the others to press close to the glass to see with their own eyes what Molly had seen. There, in the center of the room, was the rocking chair, weirdly and horribly incited to motion by some hidden and mysterious power. For one long, terrified, incredulous moment the girls stared. The blood in their veins seemed to congeal. It was as though they were suddenly enveloped in an icy wind. Grace broke away, as though from some tangible spell. The others followed her, fleeing down the porch steps, following Molly around to the side of the house where they gathered close together and stared at each other with frightened eyes. They were trembling. For a while, no one could speak. Then in a queer, faraway little voice, Grace said, What was it, Molly? Do you know? Molly shivered and shook her head. Don't let's talk about it now, she said. The question and answer seemed to rouse her to a need for action. Mechanically, she felt in the pocket of her coat for the key which had been entrusted to her from the beginning. We will have to go in. We can't stay out here all night. How dark it is. At first the girls rebelled against entering the house at all. How could they stay in the place another moment with that rocking chair, rocking, rocking, in the front room? Yet they could not remain outside. The shadows were growing in the woods. They went in at last, choosing the lesser of two evils. The evening meal was eaten in silence. What little of it was eaten at all. The girls did not stop to wash the dishes. Their one thought was to pass that parlor door before the courage to do so entirely deserted them. They got through with the ordeal some way, reached the upstairs hall which they felt was a sort of sanctuary for them. Molly, as usual, went ahead, carrying the light, while Grace brought up the rear with the lamp. Amy's skirt caught on something. She paused to unfasten it. As she turned again, something brushed her face with a whirring of wings and flew off in the darkness. She cried out shrilly, her nerves suddenly beyond control. Her comrades came running to her, Molly and Grace holding up their lamps so that they might see her face. It flew over there! It touched me! Amy pointed waveringly to the shadows at the farther end of the hall. The whirring sound came again close to their faces. Molly raised her lamp, and a great winged creature almost hit against it and darted off into the gloom again. Bats! cried Irene hysterically. Bats! I bet that's what scared me so badly that night, too. Oh, let's get out of this awful house! Come into the room, commanded Molly. She pushed Irene before her, and the other girls followed. Even when the doors were shut and locked, there was no sense of security. All felt going to bed was a mere form, 
None of them could possibly sleep. This is a terrible place, said Irene. She shivered as she slipped into place beside Molly. For once the latter did not contradict her. The girls lay awake for a long time listening to the weird, unearthly howling of the dogs. It was long past midnight before any of them fell asleep, and then their slumber was interrupted and fitful, broken by uneasy dreams. When they got up the next morning, they were a pale and sad-looking group of girls. Molly was pale, but she was also determined. We've got to do one of two things, girls, she said after breakfast. We have either to lay the ghost once and for all, or we start back for Deepdale before noon today, regardless of whether Betty and the boys are coming or not. I, for one, don't intend to spend another night like last night in this house. I guess none of us does, said Stella gloomily. It was one long nightmare, sighed Amy. Oh, how sorry I am I got you to come here, ejaculated Stella. Nonsense, Stella, said Amy, throwing her arm about the younger girl. It's not your fault. We're in this together. Well, I vote that we take the bull by the horns, as it were, and have a look at that rocking chair in the full light of day, said Molly. The others agreed, albeit a little unwillingly. Molly marched ahead like a general leading a victorious army, but in her heart Molly felt anything but valorous. She longed to run away from that spot as fast and as far as she could. All the more credit to her, perhaps, that she fitted the key in the lock and opened the door of the front room without an outward tremor. They all stopped on the threshold and looked in. Everything was as quiet and orderly as possible. The rocking chair stood in the center of the room on the same spot that it had stood the night before. But it did not rock. After one startled glance, the girls gathered courage to proceed farther into the room. The chair was still stationary. Could we have imagined that last night? asked Amy in a queer little voice. If that was imagination, then we must all be crazy. They mustered courage after a moment or two to move the chair from the spot it had been occupying. They examined under it, around it, and on all sides of it, finally pulling the worn old rug off the floor lest, perchance, the answer to the riddle might lie hidden there all to no avail. Suddenly, Amy uttered an exclamation. Her face lighted up eagerly while the girls stared at her. Do you think you can put the chair back exactly as it was before? she asked. Of course, retorted Grace and suited the action to the word. What, may I ask, is the big idea? It may not be a big idea at all. Then again... Amy left the sentence unfinished and darted out to the porch. The girls looked after her, bewildered, and in a moment saw her reappear in the window. She came close to it, looked in. They were so absorbed in watching her that at first they did not notice the strange phenomenon. It was Stella who finally pointed to it. Look, she said in a voice hardly above a whisper. The chair. Animated once more, the chair rocked steadily back and forth, a slow motion, rhythmic, deliberate. Irene screamed, then stared as Molly gave a joyful cry. Glory be, the ghost is laid. Long may he lie in peace in his grave. Amy, you precious old sleuth, come in here while I fall on your neck. 
End of chapter 20. Read by Joni Vatinen, Elk River, Minnesota, August 4, 2022.